You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast. Part of the Miami Dolphins podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How the heck is it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we're talking about a quarterback. It's the Mike White episode. We're going to break down Miami's new backup quarterback. The signal caller from South Florida returns back to his hometown. We'll also tell you about Miami's re-signings and tell you what's important about this backfield coming back for a second year together. All of that and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. Caroline kicks us off with a fresh set of downs here, and we're going to go ahead and talk about some re-signings here to the Miami Dolphins roster. We'd mentioned it on the Jalen Ramsey episode, but now we've got some official signings here we can talk about a little more in depth. And you guys know about these three players that were brought back into the fold. Three guys, I'm a big fan of their game. We start at the linebacker position with Duke Riley, who came over a couple years ago and factored in mostly as a special teams type of player, but continues to earn more and more work in Miami's sub packages, but also base defense in a variety of roles. In that Mike role, Sam, Will, he can play all three positions at linebacker, has speed for days, has excellent cover skills. He had one of the best pass breakups of any linebacker I saw on the Dolphins last year, maybe in the league, where he ran the pipe in a Tampa 2 look and got his, uh, I think the ball hit him in the butt. But he was right there uh, in phase on the tight end for was it the Patriots. Man, I'm, I'm butchering this right now, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Great speed to turn and run down the football field, to close downhill, sure tackler. Really good on special teams as well, so he can give you a variety of, of options at that position. And you look at the linebacker room with, you know, we'll talk about David Long here in a future episode, who, oh, buddy, I'm fired up about that player. But with David Long's coverage ability and three-phase, you know, prospects, Jerome Baker in that same vein with depth provided by Duke Riley and potentially Channing Tindall and the athletic ability he brings to the forefront. I think that one move of David Long entering and then also retaining Duke and his versatility for the depth and then potentially the second year jump from Channing Tindall, which you heard Coach McDaniel talk about the, you know, the expectation both of the player and the team for a bigger role for Channing Tindall in the second year, which is music to my ears. Those four guys to me make up a really, really good potential linebacker room. And that's kind of how this whole defense and quite frankly, the entire roster right now looks to me. And you also add some depth at the offensive tackle position with Kendall Lamb, who's agreed to re-sign with the Miami Dolphins. He was an in-season acquisition last year, and I thought his tape, the lone tape he had before getting injured and having to exit for the rest of the season against the Patriots, I thought it was really, really good. He had 32 reps in that game, 15 in pass pro, no pressures. He was pretty locked down in that entire game. He is an intriguing player who's played a lot of games 
for the Tennessee Titans as well. He is one of the official ones. He and Raheem Mostert uh, are official right now. The other guys reported to be signing right now to the Miami Dolphins. But <clears throat> with the depth, linebacker, the offensive line addition here, like at the running back position where both Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson were re-signed to team back up for a one-two punch once again here in the 2023 season. It doesn't prevent Miami from making more moves at the position, but with those three guys and Savan Ahmed, there's really only one more spot left for a running back, at least on the 90 or the 53-man uh, roster. You can always add more to the 90-man roster and see if someone sticks in training camp. We were big fans of Zaquandre White last year, somebody of that of that ilk that can potentially, you know, crack the roster, but you have to feel pretty good if you go into the season as is with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson because Mostert, I think he was the ideal fit for this offense, for this system, for this head coach. And I'm excited to see both these guys have another year under their belts of running behind this offensive line. We talked to Chase Edmonds last training camp about kind of getting the feel for how guys play gaps, how they play certain leverage angles, and how he has to read off of that. It's only going to help the offense having a, a you know a, a year of experience with the same people you know, most certain Wilson know the scheme, but the offensive line didn't. So now having that marriage in a second year together, I think only gonna, is only going to benefit them. And I've been telling you guys, I've been going back and rewatching the Dolphins games from last season. And Raheem Mostert's feet, man, he's got the sweet feet. It kind of reminds me of David Long in the way that he's always got his feet under his entire, you know, composition of his body. Feet under knees, knees under shoulders, shoulders under or or hips under shoulders, and all that good stuff that puts you aligned to allow you to accelerate off of those quick cuts. Raheem stretches things out, and he when he on those wide runs and finds gaps and just hits them at full speed, and it gives you lots of explosive runs. We saw all the damage he did after contact, and most of those big runs he had was slipping a tackle to second level. I've been talking about this for six years now, doing podcasts. To me, in the modern NFL, running backs have to be able to hit the explosive plays when they're blocked for them and then also create their own explosive plays. And I think Raheem Mostert does that. Nearly 1,100 yards from scrimmage last year despite having some nicks and bruises here and there and the first year in the system. I think Miami probably could stand to run the football a little more. And the average was good. It was the best average we've had in a while. But there was too many negative runs that kind of ultimately take you away from the idea of running the football. And I think having these guys back, having another year in the system, could potentially erase some of those negative runs where you get beat right away and you have a two-yard loss or even a no, no gain. You know, second and 10 is a position no play caller wants to be in. So I think that it all looks like it could be even better, even though it's the same cast of running backs coming back. So Mostert, big fan of his game, the speed. Then you get the changeup with Jeff Wilson, who is an absolute hammer and just runs mean and physical and aggressive. And he has that relationship with head coach Mike McDaniel, who obviously was the one that went out and scouted him way back in the day when he was first trying to get his foot into the NFL door. And so there's a relationship there. There's an understanding of how kind of he operates, the type of person he is. And that's kind of one of the things I look at holistically here with this group of not just newcomers, but guys that we brought back that were already part of the locker room is the certain type of guy, right? The certain type of player the Dolphins go after. It's a, a high character lovable guy to be around, good in the locker room. You know about Raheem working out with Tua in the offseason. They are very, very close. So is Duke Riley, and I'm sure Jeff Wilson's joining him now too as well. So I think we have three good players we brought back here. Uh, pretty much your entire backfield is is back. Besides, we'll see what happens with Miles Gaskin. The value from the reported contracts on those is very, very good. I think that's a place where you can, especially with these two guys and what you have on them and their fit in the system, you can kind of skimp a little bit in terms of the pay at that position to give yourself more money to go get a David Long, to go pursue a Jalen Ramsey, to go get your backup quarterback in Mike White. So 
very happy with how that's gone so far. Those guys coming back are all a big piece of this puzzle, and I'm, I'm pumped up, man. And in addition here to the Mike White episode of the Drive Time Podcast, a couple of signings came across the wire, uh, reportedly, I should say, on Wednesday afternoon. The addition of tight end Eric Saubert, which is, uh, I'm really excited to dive into his tape. Uh, I think there's a potential there for a guy that can be both a playmaker in the passing game, as well as some inline blocking that he excelled with uh, in Denver. And then also Deshaun Elliott, the safety formerly of the Lions for last season, and also of the Ravens the previous three years prior to that. And he was a guy that I kind of pinpointed on the Lions tape as a, a difference maker in that Detroit secondary, and he wound up not being able to go in that game. And I was like, that's a big loss for the Lions. So excited about his potential. I think he gives you a lot in terms of the sub package, uh, you know, six defensive backs in the field. When you go that many guys, kind of your third safety, your big nickel, if you will. Uh, Deshaun Elliott has some skills. And then a handful of other moves. The Dolphins also claimed wide receiver Freddie Swain off waivers. He was here last year for a brief period of time. And we have some re-signings to announce as well. Miami bringing back running back Miles Gaskin. So that earlier comment about the four running backs, there you go. But still doesn't preclude Miami from, you know, continuing to their pursuit in that area. Adding depth is always a quality idea. And that's what Miami did back in the secondary here as well. We talk about Deshaun Elliott giving you depth in that safety room. Well, now Nick Needham is also back. And we've seen him play inside, outside, special teams, a valuable piece of this defense over the last several years. And he'll be back coming off that Achilles injury. Great, great depth. Him and Trill Williams coming back. You have to really like... The idea that Miami could withstand, you know, the potential attrition they faced at that position last year. You hope you get luckier than that, but it's nice to prepare for it as well. And you kind of see some of that developing here in other areas as well. Uh, offensive line, the Dolphins will re-sign Jerron Christian, the player that was signed late in the year and played in that playoff game. We forget about the attrition up front on the offensive line. So Miami adding depth there with Lamb and Christian. And also Dan Feeney of the New York Jets reported to be signing with the Miami Dolphins as well and Braxton Berrio. So a couple of former New York Jets reportedly joining their AFC East rival, us, the Miami Dolphins. And one of the staples of this podcast is transparency, right? Um, I am very much a work ahead type of person. It makes me anxious to think about leaving work on the table when I'm not doing anything or really doing anything else. So a lot of these podcasts have been, you know, I spend plenty of time working on them before you guys hear them. Thus, these drop-ins with the new information. So the edits, I apologize for that. Um, but Dan Feeney and Braxton Barrios, just the next ones to, to join here in terms of the reports out there about new Miami Dolphins. So the receivers room and the return department where Miami didn't get much production last year. Now with Braxton Barrios, that is a bona fide return man. I know OJ McDuffie is fired up about this one. And then Dan Feeney was a guy I was super high on coming out of the draft a few years back before he was taken in the second round. There was a bunch of Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney content when I went back and checked this out and they both wind up going to the Chargers and it didn't really work out for either of those guys there but now Dan Feeney uh, a couple of years with the Jets obviously again going back to that Mike LaFleur system there's a lot of carryover there which we'll talk about here on this Mike White podcast so three former New York Jets join get that depth on the offensive line plenty of activity plus the guys we cover which includes also getting Nick Needham back in the entire running back room as well as Duke Riley plenty of activity going on with Miami Dolphins I think I got them all there. I'm pretty sure I covered everything, but if I missed one here or there, I will make up for it on the next episode. Let's go ahead and pick it back up here and get to the Mike White episode here as we look ahead to new league year brings new players, and we are breaking down the Dolphins' newest backup quarterback, the former Jet and South Florida native Mike White 
is coming home. Originally a fifth-round pick of the Dallas Cowboys by way of Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Would you believe me if I told you that I grinded quite a bit of WKU tape that year? Because I recall the Senior Bowl was loaded with names that went off the board in the top of the draft, Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen. But then there was a group of very intriguing day two, day three type of prospects. And I recall Mike White and Brandon Silvers. I think Silvers was the Richmond kid with the spider on the side of the helmet. Watching him and Mike White in the great WKU helmets. There was a session where they exchanged big throw after big throw. And that was where I really kind of had the name Mike White stick in the back of my mind. And it made me think, let's go back to the tape and get a better look at these guys. And I thought you saw a lot of confidence and poise in Mike White's game, which kind of translates to the NFL level. He did wind up with the Jets in 2019, and he played himself into, obviously now, a future in the National Football League. And that's not always the case for these late-round picks, right? Especially when it doesn't work out with the original team that drafted these guys. You kind of have to demonstrate either some production when you get your chance, which can be few and far between for a fifth-round pick, or progression you know, on the practice field and impressing coaches behind the scenes. It can be difficult. So that's exactly what he did. And he had some really good games in relief of an injured Zach Wilson back in 2021. Then he replaced Wilson in 2022 and he sparked the Jets offense because prior to his first start against the Bears, which produced a 149.3 passer rating, three touchdowns, 315 yards and no turnovers, the Jets were averaging just 19.9 points per game. But when White came in for the next three games, that number jumped up to 23 points per game. But then he suffers the rib injury against the Buffalo Bills, and he did miss a lot of that game, which they only scored 12 points. So holding the point average against him seems a little bit unfair. But he had to miss the next two games, 17 and three-point output. So the offense for the Jets was just not that good last year. He did his part to make it. So he goes back in for that Seahawks game, and it just wasn't their day, 23 to six. He wasn't protected. He didn't look comfortable throwing the football. And then, of course, it was Flacco again in the finale for the Dolphins' 11-6 riveting Week 18 victory. But on tape, clearly a different offense with Mike White in the lineup compared to any other quarterback last year for the New York Jets. He completed 59% of his passes. That's a low number, uh, but you could still see on tape it was just different. 1,192 yards, 6.8 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, four picks, a 75.4 passer rating. Obviously, you know, if these, if these are numbers up in the two ranks, then he's a starting quarterback somewhere. So you have to understand context there. For his career, 62.2% completion, seven yards per pass, eight touchdowns, 12 picks, and a 75.4 rating. Funny how that works out. Now, he comes to an offense that has some firepower. It's a lot better than the Jets' offensive firepower was last year. And I tend to look more at just the function of the games he played for the Jets. He was essentially the backup off the bench, right? He replaced the starter, and then he put them in position to win games in a playoff race, you know, no, no less. And that's what you want. The game in Minnesota, <clears throat> he delivers an on-target ball on fourth down that would have put the Jets in front in the fourth quarter on the road against a team that won 12 games last year. That's pretty dang good. Last year, he was really good in the intermediate level on passes 10 to 19 yards. He had a 116 passer rating, uh, 12.4 yards per pass on those throws. His average depth of target was eight yards per pass. So he wasn't afraid to push the football Tua was tops in the league in that category at 9.6 for comparison. And he got the ball out in 2.61 seconds on average. And that's where I think the fit really exists. Mike LaFleur was his head coach last year. Similar concept, stretch zone, quick passing game, use the middle of the football field. And 
LaFleur is pretty close with our Mike McDaniel, and they come from that same coaching tree. So there's likely some carryover there in the offensive system. I think he executes his ball fakes really well, which is very important in this play-action heavy offense. I think he has a tremendous level of poise and in the pocket and is willing to take the big hit to maximize the time for his receivers to uncover. They'll appreciate that. He delivers an accurate ball and throws with confidence between the numbers in that intermediate portion of the field. Six foot five, 218 pounds, and the hope is he provides some stability beyond QB1 after a year where the Dolphins got as unlucky as they could at that position. But now with Tua, White, and Skylar Thompson, three quarterbacks who have, you know, two of those guys in the same system, one with familiarity with the system, and just really good depth in the quarterback room. Let's go ahead and finish up this podcast with my interview with the great Antoine Staley. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And joining us now is a longtime friend of the podcast. He covers the Jets beat for the New York Daily News and is an alum of our beat down here in South Florida, Antoine Staley. Antoine, have you had a chance to come up for air yet during this uh, crazy week? I know the Jets got a lot going on right now. Yeah, I mean, it's been hard with everything, all the rumors surrounding everything that's going on. But, yeah, it definitely keeps you busy and keeps you on your toes, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, never a dull moment like you mentioned. That's the National Football League, and I guess, uh, in a nutshell there, is 12 months out of the year, you're pretty much into it. Although, I, I suppose July maybe is the one month before camp where it kind of yes. cools off. Yeah, For June, a- July is kind of like when you take vacation. Yeah. Once those OTAs wrap, we get the heck out of there and we come back a month and a half later and we go all in on the whole season. But anyway, uh, you know, seeing a, a big shift at the quarterback position as that involves a departing quarterback from the Jets landing here with the Miami Dolphins. I'm talking, of course, about quarterback Mike White, who you covered all year last year. And he came off the bench last year and really sparked the Jets offense that had been struggling to that point. I'm curious, from your perspective, being around the team every day, why you think he was able to give the Jets offense the jolt that he did? Well, it's just his attitude. Everybody loves Mike White, just the fact that he's such a hard worker. And he was working like he was the starter, even when he was not. Like, you remember, like, he started out as the third-string quarterback for the Jets last year, and then he worked his way up to becoming the starter. Initially, Joe Flacco's was the starter, Zach Wilson was hurt, and then Mike White was his backup. And then once Zach Wilson came back into the fold, then Joe Flacco was the backup for a little bit. And then, you know, they elevated Mike White to the backup role. And then eventually he became the starter once, you know, Zach Wilson, you know, didn't play very well in the game against the Patriots. But it's just this work ethic. I think teammates really loved that. They they, were, uh, they saw what he was bringing to the table. And then just the leadership as well. Like he, a lot of players just kind of gravitate to him. That's kind of why you saw... You know, the players were very vocal about him last year, and that's why I think he's going to make a real big addition down there in Miami because, you know, they, although they have Tua, it's always good to kind of have uh, some veteran quarterback presence down there too as well that you can kind of bounce off of as well. Yeah, without question. And I think, you know, you look across the league every single year, something like, you know, 60-plus quarterbacks get snaps in the NFL every single year, and that's why I was so intrigued by Mike White because there was, you know, situations last year where he came in and he put 
the Jets in position to win games. And the Dolphins last year, they were in those same situations, but just couldn't quite find their way into the winner's circle in those games where, you know, Teddy Bridgewater starts and has to exit early. In comes Skylar Thompson. I think Mike White could provide some stabilization with that that mindset and that mentality, which I think is so important for a backup quarterback, Antoine. And, you know, we had Ryan Fitzpatrick down here who is the, like, if you created a backup quarterback in a lab, it would be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Short memory, aggressive, wants to attack and can come in and and get you a victory when he has to off the bench. I'm curious, you kind of mentioned the confidence, the way he prepared, but the way that Mike White is wired, how do you think that coincides with effective backup quarterback, which to me is so much different than the starting quarterback. Like I said, you know, you, you don't know when you're going to come in. You have to come in cold. Why do you think he's able to do that so well? Because he's been an underdog his whole mm-hmm. career. I mean, he's fought for every single thing that he has gotten in, in the NFL or even before that, too. You remember where he started? He started as a fifth-round draft pick, you know, with the Cowboys organization, ended up getting released there. The Jets ended up picking him off waivers and – you know, he bounced around the practice squad and did an active roster for so long, and then he worked his way up. So he has that mentality of a workhorse of somebody that's going to, you know, that you need in a backup quarterback. He was not handed anything. He was not one of those guys that, you know, did not pan. It was in order to starter and didn't pan out. He is a guy that continued, had to climb the ladder to get where he is. And that's what you need in a quarterback. You need some grit. You need somebody that's going to work hard and, you know, be a veteran you know, presence in that locker room. And that's why, that's what Mike White's going to bring you to say. Well, that's why I think, you know, he's continued to have a successful NFL career. You know, he might not have been a starter um, so far this, you know, journey, but at the same time, like he's been on the role as a quality backup. And I think that's going to serve the way. Well, it's definitely down there in South Florida. I love that. That's like his origin story, right? Like the the idea of being doubted for your entire career and obviously being a fifth round draft pick, you don't typically take a quarterback in the fifth round with the expectation he's going to be like the franchise quarterback, at least not right away. Maybe you develop him into that. And so him kind of taking that route, this is kind of a a nice soft landing spot for him in terms of, you know, being a a reliable veteran backup quarterback here in his hometown, which we'll touch touch on here in just a second. But, you know, you mentioned his teammates and the way they kind of rallied around him uh, with that spark that he provided. We saw the T-shirts they had made up uh, in support for for their new quarterback and Mike White. Can you tell us some more about how that happened and, and kind of the reception of the Mike White T-shirts last year? Well, basically, what it boiled down to is just uh, just when he came in and started, you know, before the Bears game, and even going to Minnesota, you know, they just kind of rallied around him, and then you kind of saw that Wilson and you know what he missed. Necessarily, you know, a lot of controversy, especially considering what happened after the Patriots game where he didn't accept accountability for them losing um, 10 to 3. And White White comes in and he just really, people just rallied around and they were so happy that he got that opportunity that, you know, the team ended up, you know, creating Mike White t shirts. Uh, CJ uh, Uzama was kind of a part of that. Also, Tyler Conklin uh, as well. They were kind of, they kind of spearheaded that whole thing. And, you know, as you saw on the pictures, Everybody, just about everybody had white effing white T-shirts going on to play in Minnesota. And, you know, they really believed he gave them an opportunity, the best opportunity to win and a chance they ended up getting into the playoffs. Obviously, that didn't happen. But, you know, they really believed in Mike White and thought he was, you know, the right guy for the right person for the job at the time. So that's kind of how it all came about um, quick and short. Conklin and Uzama sounds like he's a friend of the tight end up there with the Jets. We'll see if he can do the same thing down here uh, in South Florida, the Miami Dolphins. And you mentioned that playoff run that, you know, to me, Antoine, he his his absence from the lineup probably 
was a big part of why they were not able to kind of break through and get over that hump to get into the postseason. And that's kind of what I want to talk about is his toughness because he missed a few games. And that game they had up in Orchard Park against the Buffalo Bills, I think the Dolphins were on a bye week or had a later game. For whatever reason, I was on my couch watching that one. You know how it goes. If the Jets are playing, yes. you're there, so you don't get to watch the other games. But for this one, I was on the couch watching, and it wasn't just the hit that did cause the injury. He was taking shots all game long and just kept on coming back. He even came back out of the locker room after the hit and would eventually play the rest of the game before being sidelined for a few weeks. I'm curious to you, what does that say about this guy that he toughed it out and, and fought until they said, hey, we can't put you back out there, man? Yeah, that was the night the Dolphins played the Chargers later on Sunday yeah. night. So that's what it was. But Appreciate to answer that. your question, <laughs> like, he just, you know, he wanted to be back out there for his teammates and fall. He, he understood the situation. He understood that, you know, this is his opportunity to try to seize the starting job and also try to lock down a playoff position for the Jets. So, you know, the doctors cleared him. They said he didn't have any fractures at the time. And, you know, he decided to go back out there despite the pain that he was in. And clearly he was in a lot of pain at the time, but he just kept taking shot after shot after shot for the Bills. But, you know, it didn't matter because he, you know, wanted to be out there for his teammates. Ultimately, they didn't get the job done, but, you know, he felt like, you know, he never used the ribs as an excuse for the, for the loss. He thought that he was out there. He didn't make enough plays. He was, you know, just as possible as a lot of his mates for not getting the job done and accountability. And I think that goes into another reason why I think a lot of his teammates really liked him because he never plays playing on anybody else but himself. And, you know, I think a lot of people saw that and, you know, just wanted to gravitate towards him um, in regards to that. So yeah, I think that's kind of what says a lot about Mike White and just what he brings to the table. Well, you were in that locker room after that game, and obviously you probably didn't speak to, to Mike White. Maybe he t- he talked after the game. I'm not sure how the injury. No, uh, he went to the. Uh, that's when he went to the hospital. Okay. So yeah, yeah. we were not able to talk to him then. But you were able to talk to his teammates. I'm curious how they responded to his toughness coming back into that game. Warrior. Yeah. That's basically the word that everybody kept using. He is such a warrior, uh, gritty player. For him to be able to do it, because he didn't have to do that. You know, Joe Flacco could have ended up playing that game, and I don't think anybody would have said that, especially with the the hit Mike Milano put on him. Like, that was a violent yeah. – that's one of the most violent hits that I saw last year, and nobody would have batted an eye. But the fact that he came in, I was completely shocked, and I think a lot of his teammates were too. And then, you know, they talked about just how he was grimacing on the sideline, but he just kept wanting to come back into the games. So, yeah, just toughness, warrior. I think that was the word that a lot of his teammates ended up using at the time. Yeah, we see a lot of these these athletes, man. You can't get them off the field, and sometimes you have to protect the player from themselves. We, we've seen it down here as well, too. So it's it's it always blows my mind how tough these guys are, man. It sounds like Mike White is cut from that same cloth. Let's finish up right here. You know, I'm not sure you ever got a chance to discuss this with Mike himself because, well, he played for Miami, or you know, for the biggest rival of the Miami Dolphins. But we know he's a South Florida guy. I saw a photo of him as a little guy in a Miami Dolphins T-shirt, and I just have to imagine how that's got to be the coolest thing for an athlete. You think he's pretty fired up to go back to where it all began for him? Yeah, I, I'd heard rumblings like that was gonna the Dolphins were potentially targeting him like in free agency, so I thought that might be a fit. Actually, before he got ruled out of the game against Miami in the finale, Mm -hmm. my article was going to be about that, him going back home. And obviously, I spent a lot of time down there. So, you know, I kind of wanted to get, like, just, you know, his thoughts about playing his hometown team and how many of his parents and, you know, friends were going to be in the stands, things like that, too. So it meant a big deal to him. He felt really bad that he wasn't able to play, you know, in that game because – 
you know, end up having those five fractured ribs. But, you know, being able to kind of go full circle, you know, somewhere where he was born and raised, grew up a Dolphins fan, as you kind of alluded to, it, it feels right for him. And I think it's a great situation for him. And, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, I have not spoken to him. I sent him a text, but, you know, I haven't really spoken to him. But, you know, I think, you know, he feels excited about the situation. And just can't, he's, I'm sure he cannot wait to get down there and, you know, in, immerse themselves with the Dolphins organization. But, yeah, I definitely think um, he is probably excited as anybody to be back, back down in South Florida full-time and with the Dolphins organization. I have a friend who lives in upstate New York who told me about a nor'easter that came in earlier this week, and he said that they're expect they were expecting eight to twenty inches. I don't even know how much snow fell up there, but uh, I was telling him, "Don't you ever talk about Florida in a bad way again?" Because um, you know, it's March and you're getting twenty inches of snow, sir. So I think I think Mike White probably appreciates that fact too. I know I know the blood thins out quick down here, so being a, a South Florida native, I'm sure he was excited to get back uh, to the oh, great yeah, weather. For sure, <laughs> no, no doubt, man. And I, I know you are too, especially for that Dolphins and Jets game whenever it might be next year and uh, speaking of that we'll see you when you get down here man Antoine Staley New York Daily News at Antoine Staley on Twitter and clearly Antoine you were an original Twitterer as I deem I dub it here because you nabbed the full name at Antoine Staley that's that's impressive man yeah, I definitely just made it plain and simple. So, yeah, just my name, Antoine Staley. You know, got to tack on the numbers, the underscores, the stars, all the different characters that people That's have to use complex, these days. Yeah. We just got to keep it simple. Yeah, you nailed it, man. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. Always a pleasure, Antoine. I appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you. And away he goes, the great Antoine Staley. Let's go ahead and take our last break, and we'll go around the entire National Football League and get you caught up on what has happened so far the first week here at Free Agency. That's Next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. As I'm sure most of you have been keeping tabs the way I have, we have all kinds of activity reportedly and official from across the National Football League. I'm not going to give you the exacts on all of these, but I want to go down the list of signings and retentions and talk about the ones that really pop out to me. First, at the quarterback position, we had the Pat McAfee, Aaron Rodgers episode, which, all right, dude, uh, I, I hope we get a chance to play him a couple times this year because it's... Man, it's just like Brett Favre back in in 2008 all over again, but it sounds like that's where he'll wind up. It's not official yet, but we'll find out. Uh, He mentioned that's where he wants to be, and it's come down to compensation as far as the Jets and Packers go. Jimmy Garoppolo to the Raiders. Sounds like he'll be the starting quarterback there. Sam Darnold with a chance to start in San Francisco while Trey Lance and Kyle Purdy kind of get back from their injuries is very intriguing. Baker Mayfield to the Bucs. I think he'll be their day one quarterback. Good for him. Taylor Heineke maybe signals a sign that the Falcons will go forward with he and Desmond Ritter in the quarterback room. Uh, We mentioned Mike White here to Miami. Case Keenum goes from the Bills to the Texans, so Buffalo back in the backup quarterback market. And Andy Dalton, uh, the Panthers moved up to the first pick in the draft. He will likely be that bridge guy as he signs with the Carolina Panthers. And then Jarrett Stidham goes from Las Vegas to Denver, uh, leaving Sean Mc- or not Sean McVay, leaving Josh McDaniels going to Sean Payton in Denver to back up Russell Wilson at running back. Not much activity here. Mike Boone to the Texans, Rashad Payne to the Eagles. I like that for Philly a lot. He's a good fit there. David Montgomery goes to the Lions from the 
Bears. A, a nice in-division move there. And Travis Homer goes to the Bears from the Seahawks. Only two receivers I have here. Jacoby Myers from the Raider, or from the Patriots to the Raiders. It's a big loss for the Patriots. He's a really good receiver, and uh, now they're going to be even more than at that position until they make some additions. Alan Lazard goes to the Jets from the Packers because their GM is their quarterback apparently right now. It's just it's a, what a weird situation. Tight end Chris Manhurts goes from the Bronco or to the Broncos from the Jags. A good blocking tight end. Jonu Smith was dealt to the Falcons from the Patriots. They former big signing in the offseason uh, goes by the boards for a seventh round draft pick. And Darren Waller, the great athlete uh, at the tight end position, goes from the Raiders to the Giants. Good addition from them. That was the pick they got for Kadarius Tony. So good for them. Ben Powers, big deal for the Broncos. Denver really loaded up their offensive line in the tight end position. They probably want to run the ball a lot next year. Nate Davis leaves the AFC and goes to the Bears. Good signing for them. Connor McGovern coming to division. A really good center for the uh, for the Cowboys comes over to the Buffalo Bills. Shaq Mason traded again from the Texan or to the Texans from the Buccaneers. Nate Herbig leaves the Jets and goes to Pittsburgh. He was a guy I talked about as a potential fit here. At the offensive tackle position, all kinds of activity. Jawan Taylor goes to the Chiefs from the Jags. Mike McGlinchey to the Broncos from the 49ers. Those guys both got paid big time money. Riley Reef is going to the Patriots from the Vikings. Andrew Wiley makes it two tackles to parting the Chiefs. They did get uh, Taylor back, obviously, though. He goes to the Commanders. On defense, Javon Hargrave. What a great addition for the freaking Niners defensive line. They are going to wreak havoc. He leaves the Eagles to go to San Francisco. Draymond Jones, a great fit there for the Seahawks from the Broncos. David Onyemata, the Falcons have had a really nice uh, free free agency so far. Easy for me to say. I like the Browns move here to get Dalvin Tomlinson from the Giants. Rakeem Nunez Roches from the Bucks to the Giants. He's a good addition there. Giants having a nice offseason as well, besides the quarterback uh, extension. Didn't like that. Uh, Defensive end, Marcus Davenport goes to the Vikings. Charles Amenahu to the Chiefs. Demarcus Walker to the Bears. Uh, Samson Ebucom goes from the Niners to the Colts, a big get for them. Lots of linebacker activity, but man, I look at this list here, and the Dolphins got the best value to me. Tremaine Edmonds cashes in with the uh, Chicago Bears, also weakens an AFC East rival for us. We like that. Eric Kendricks, I love his game. He goes to the Chargers. TJ Edwards goes to the Bears along with Edmonds, double dipping there. David Long to the Dolphins from the Titans. Bobby Okereke gets a big contract from the Giants. Caden Ellis goes from the Saints to the Falcons, a fun rivalry jump there. Aziz Alshair, a player I was big on, goes to the Titans from the 49ers. At the cornerback position, Cam Sutton goes to the Lions from the Steelers. Patrick Peterson goes to the Steelers uh, to replace Sutton from the Vikings. Jalen Ramsey, of course, is ours now. Cornerback Stephon Gilmore uh, leaves the Cowboys and goes to the Colts. It's in safety activity. The, the Bengals lose both their starting safeties, Von Bell and Jesse Bates. Bell to the Panthers, Bates to the Falcons. Marcus Epps from Raiders to the Eagles. And Jimmy Ward gets paid in Houston from San Francisco. Some big retentions. Uh, quarterbacks Jameis Winston staying put. So is Easton Stick with the Saints and Chargers, respectively. Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson staying here. Justice Hill with the Ravens. Chris Lindstrom gets a big contract extension from the Falcons, probably looking at you know potential comparison there for Rob Hunt in the future. At the center position, Ethan Posick stays with the Browns. Bradley Bozeman stays with the Panthers. Caleb McGarry goes back to the Falcons. That was a big win for them. I like their offseason so far. Uh, Kelvin Beecham stays in Arizona. Deron Payne stays put in Washington. John Kaminsky with the Lions. Larry Ogunjobi for the Steelers. Zach Allen gets a big contract from his team, the, the Arizona Cardinals. And the linebacker market, man, been crazy. Quincy Williams, Levante David, Alex Anzalone, all back with their clubs. Alex Singleton, Rayquad McMillan, Jermaine Pratt back to the Bengals. Obviously, Duke Riley back here to Miami. Cornerback, Jamil 
Will Dean stays in, in Tampa Bay, a big get for them. Jonathan Jones, who is a great matchup on Tyreek Hill, he stays in New England. I was hoping he would leave that spot. Danny Johnson to the Commanders again. Keyshawn Nixon stays in Green Bay. James Bradbury, they released Darius Slay, but brought back James Bradbury. Lots of talent off that Eagles defense. And then at safety, Tashawn Gibson, Michael Thomas, Donovan Wilson all stay put. Jabril Pepper stays with the Patriots. And Jordan Poyer back to the Buffalo Bills. Man, him and Micah Hyde coming back. I, I was hoping they would break those two up, but I digress. All right, there you go. Really fun podcast here. We're going to talk more about David Long in the future uh, on a future podcast, I should say. But Mike White in the books, uh, in the building. He has been signed by the Miami Dolphins. Hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. We'll have more to come for you guys. I do have paternity leave coming up in a couple of weeks, but that's not until the week following next week. So we'll see about the gaps in the podcast there. But as always, I'll have you guys updated with the latest and greatest on the Miami Dolphins. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Pod with Seth and Juice, our YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline and Cameron, Daddy's coming home.